the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everyone. My name is Ian Simpkins, normally joined by Brian Fromm, but this is the week of special guests here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome to The Common Good. Brian Fromm is out of the country on his honeymoon. My name is Ian Simpkins. You can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good. On Twitter, at Common Good Talk, plus wherever it is you get your podcast. If you are a podcaster, first off, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you have the time, a little like, subscribe, and review does somehow magically help us out. I have no idea how, but uh, if you wouldn't mind hitting that share button too, we're still a new show, and that stuff really does help us out. But as I've mentioned, since Brian Fromm is gone all week, I am absolutely thrilled to have in the studio all week some of my all-time favorite people, people that I have looked up to for a while, that I admire and love deeply, and Pastor Daryl Malcolm is no exception. Pastor Daryl, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Ian. It's an honor to be with you. I've appreciated our friendship through the years and miss those sessions we get together and battle with each other. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're due for a breakfast, aren't we? We certainly are. Now, yeah. when you say battle... Um, well, okay. <laughs> we just have different perspectives on things at times. Well, and that's part of what I've so appreciated about you, and we'll get into this later in the show, but you and I have disagreed on a number of things, and I would still call you like a close friend and a brother and someone... Mm-hmm that I love and admire for a long time. And I have no doubt, and, actually, and, that people, it'll become clear as to why that is. But that's mutual. I appreciate oh, so much you. being able to be here, too. Well, that's thank good. you, Daryl. That, that means thank a lot. Um, I'm wondering if you could just give maybe like a brief bio about who you are, and then we'll get into like the long-form story about like where you started and where you grew up. But like for someone that doesn't know who you are, in a couple of sentences, how would you introduce yourself? It's an amazing story, really. I grew <laughs> up in a f- small farm in southwest Iowa, went to a little church of usually under 100, uh, became very involved there through my life. My dad was an elder. My mother was a Sunday school teacher. I went to church before she was before I was born, so <laughs> a long time history. Your pre delivery, yeah, Christ I was follower, right? <laughs> about eight when I really made my full public decision for Jesus. I was baptized, and um, I grew up in that church. And because it's a small church, I had a lot of opportunities. Hmm. We had a, a man that had been an auctioneer all of his life that became our pastor and began filling in, and um, he wanted to help me get started. And so I preached my first sermon on Sunday before I graduated from high school on Thursday. No kidding. Got off to a start. And then a little church in Bradyville, a little community nearby, didn't have any pastor and asked if I'd come down and preach for him. Hmm. What a a patient people they must have been. (laughs) I think about how horrible those sermons were. But I think six or seven times that Sunday, that summer, I had a chance to go down and preach. Wow. And um, then I went to Lincoln Bible Institute, which is about 450-mile trip for us. And um, that's the story getting there also. And uh, (laughs) because I had been doing some preaching, 
Uh, I had a roommate that was working in a pastor, weekend pastor of a little church, and every once in a while he had me f- fill in for his place, and one thing or another were doing it. And in July of 1950, hmm. uh, one of my former classmate roommates, where we we didn't have dormitories yet, so we stayed in homes, and there was one home had nine of us staying together in it, and so uh, two or three of those guys were now pastoring in little churches out in western Illinois, hmm. around Pike County. It's between the Illinois and Mississippi rivers, right up to the western edge of Illinois, and uh, a lot of little churches in that county, and so... Um, um, Dick invited me to come and be the speaker for a youth rally. Hmm. So I went to the youth rally to give my message. And when the service was over, leaders from two different churches came up to me and asked if I'd come and be their preacher. No kidding. <laughs> At the end of that event? They yes, did? I had no idea it was a trial sermon. <laughs> I wasn't looking for a church. but You were being the, interviewed and didn't know it. I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> because these guys would, every uh, Friday night or Saturday morning, we'd load into the cars and drive the 100 miles out in that area. Hmm. And then whoever's driving would make the circuit and drop us off at the different churches. The churches would give us a room and meals and loan us a car and whatever we needed to do to wow. carry out our ministry. And then Sunday night, they'd make the circle and pe- pick everybody up and drive back to Lincoln again. And uh, Lincoln stopped having classes on Monday because so many of us were doing that, that the classes were basically Tuesday through Friday. Mm-hmm. And so I began doing that. And then uh, the next year, I bought my own car and then... Um, been in debt ever since. <laughs> but, That's the way of a pastor, isn't I've been it? Yeah. Make it been, but it's been wonderful. I had such a variety of mm. ministries through the years. Uh, these churches in Elder and New Hartford, I wound up serving there for two and a half years. Mm. The first six months or so, I was just preaching in Elder one Sunday and New Hartford the next one. And then because of the guys I was writing with were having Sunday evening services, we approached them having a Sunday evening service. Hmm. And so I'd be in Eldera Sunday morning in New Hartford that night. No kidding. The next week, New Hartford Sunday morning in Eldera that night. Wow. And so every other week they had it in the morning and every other week they had it in the evening. And um, it was, I doubled my salary. I, I went from $15 a week to $30 a week and driving 100 miles away to go do it. You're rolling in it. <laughs> How did you even keep that straight with all of that? Was that tough to keep all of your ducks oh, sure, in a row? Sure, you keep yeah. track of the thing. And, and I had to be careful. I, I could preach. I couldn't preach the same sermon back and forth. Right, I, of course. I, right. So I'd have different ones I'd have to be preparing at different times and, and uh, try to keep up with it. But um, it was a wonderful experience. And the classes that I were taking at Lincoln meant yeah. so much more hmm. because they were often sermon material for what was happening the next week. Right, and right. And follow through. And then um, Church in Milton, the man had been there for eight or nine years, retired, and uh, he suggested I come down and they consider me for the the pulpit. Wow. And so I, I, I said to him, I said, Hank, I could never fill your shoes. And he said, hmm. if you ever get to the point well, you think you're able to do what you're called to do, you need to move. Wow. And I thought, that has been such a message to me all the wow. way along. But if you aren't in over your head, you're probably not really doing what God wants you to do. I love that. That's so good. So how long have you been in ministry in general? Just for some context for our listeners. This is my 70th year to be a, in pastoral ministry yes. in, in Illinois. <laughs> oh, my I've always goodness. been in the state of Illinois, some part or other of it. Uh, <laughs> I, I was uh, in that Pike County area for eight years, and because uh, Milton was in that same county, right? And then I wound up coming to um, 
the Cal, I mean, the Washington, Illinois, just okay. outside of Peoria, I was there 11 and a half years. Wow. And then I moved to DeKalb and I was there for 13 years. Wow. And so, and then I was bound to Urbana. I was there for three years. And so wow. a lot of different places around. And then we've lived in Carroll Stream now since 86. And so. And then you ended up. At Poplar Creek Church, right, which I is had, where you and I met. Yes. I was I was at the church in, in um, Carroll Stream at the time, and I helped them get started. I made phone calls to help Poplar Creek Church get going. Right, so right. So then when I, reti- when I resigned from knowing the church was dying in Carroll Stream mm-hmm. and, and uh, I was going to step out, uh, they came to me and asked me to come. Would I come and join their staff? Wow. And I said, well— I'd already agreed to begin working with some with the funeral homes, doing some pre-need funeral planning mm. and so forth. I said, um, let, let's see what happens with it. Mm. You have a style of worship that we may not be comfortable with. Right. And um, you've been meeting a while. It's unfair just to force me on the congregation. Right. So we began attending in February of 92. Mm. And in May of 92, the congregation elected me as a pastor and shepherd and I've been in those roles ever since. Yeah, you <laughs> most certainly have. And I've been the grateful recipient of a whole lot of your wisdom and leadership, to be honest, which is why I'm so excited that you're on the show. I'm excited that you're here for an entire hour because I have just a million other questions that I've wanted to ask you for a long time or that I've already asked that I want other people to hear the answers of. <laughs> well, thank and you. so I think it's going to be quite a journey this hour with Pastor Daryl Malcolm here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is gallivanting somewhere, I'm sure. But you can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good. On Twitter, at Common Good Talk. Plus, and I'm sure you're tired of me saying it, we're on every podcast platform you can imagine. And uh, if you are a podcaster, just taking a minute or two to like, subscribe, and review, all of that really does help us out a whole lot. But in Brian's absence this week, uh, we're kind of stacking the deck. It's just some of my favorite people in Chicagoland, honestly, anywhere, to be honest. And uh, to have Pastor Joe Malcolm in the studio for an entire hour is such a joy. Thank you for making the drive again and being Thank in here you. for a full hour, sharing your story. And you didn't mention it in sort of your your testimony a little bit, but I know that you actually have radio experience, right? Well, yes. I was at, uh, when I was at Lincoln Bible Institute studying, and a man came in who had done a lot in radio and television. In fact, he was a newscaster hmm. at the only television station in Springfield at that time in 54, 55. And so, anyhow, he had classes in radio. Hmm. And then after I graduated in 54, took off a year, and then I came back in seminary. He asked me to come back, and I was actually the first graduate assistant, although they didn't call me that, but I was his graduate assistant. I helped him teach speech classes. He would give the basic concept, and then he'd evaluate half of the students, and I'd evaluate half of the students. And then he'd give the next one, and then we'd switch the half that we dealt with. And so I did that for one semester. I also was doing in charge of the LBI time at a radio program. Okay. And uh, we'd often have gobs of tape, you know, where when we had the machines and the uh-huh. dials and the, the tapes, you put it on it. And I would record some things on Tuesday and Wednesday for the next week. And sometimes I'd record the next week and come back in and I'd have ready uh, 12 minutes and I mean, 
29 minutes and 30 seconds of tape ready to go for a noon show oh, every man. Wednesday. <laughs> Gosh, how times have changed, you know, right? How they've changed. My yes, goodness. We're looking at laptops and screens. Yeah. And, and then I've had a couple of radio programs before that. And yeah. I helped get a television station program going in Quincy that is called By the Way. It mm-hmm. became the longest-running, locally-produced religious program in America. Wow. But for the first 17 months, I was executive director, and I would bring the people in and work out the format, and if somebody didn't show up, I'd be on air to wow. fill in for them. And <laughs> it was quite an experience. And this, was, this was black and white. Color was just coming in at the time. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, see, you've lived enough life for five lifetimes, man. I probably have. <laughs> and and got- God gives me good health, and I keep going now. <laughs> Yeah, I remember the story you told me a couple of years ago. Where you went in for a physical or something, and the doctor was like, you're literally in perfect shape. Just keep doing whatever the heck you're doing. Yeah, it's coming. That's what happens. <laughs> I, I tell people that I the only prescription I have to take is for dandruff. <laughs> <laughs> I've not heard that one. That's well, good. <laughs> but I'm very blessed that God has been good to me, and I'm, yeah. I'm stiffer, and I don't have quite the balance and so forth. But, yeah, but you I'm do amazing, a remarkable amazing amount. good health for 88. You, so you, you really are. And so... You also, if I recall correctly, there's like a prayer component to your workouts, too, isn't there? Yes. A um, long time ago, I began uh, working... Uh, starting to do some exercises every morning. Yeah. And somebody gave me this idea that I do with the, I will love the Lord my God more today than ever before in my whole life. Hmm. Now, that's either eight or 16 reps for hmm. each thing you're doing. And so the different things that I do in my exercise early in the morning, I do by that. I love and then that. now I listen to you um, version, the Bible. Yeah. And so. Um, We've uh, I've gone through most of the book of Genesis in the last eight days or ten days that. or something I like that. that, and so it's wonderful to to have your devotional element, and that helps me keep my exercise element also. And gosh, that's remarkable. Okay, so, so somewhere in the midst of your whole story, you also got married, right? Like yeah, that, oh yeah, that's <laughs> happening in the midst of us. Talk talk to us a little bit about that story and that journey. Well, Karen came from Northwest Missouri, and I grew in Southwest Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, both were farmers. Uh, although my dad did a lot of other things on it here, but we had a small farm I grew up on and um, had to come 450 miles to Lincoln to meet. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, mom told me she and her sister were going to coming out to the Lincoln Bible Institute and asked me to look after them. Well, I couldn't look after both of them, but I picked out Karen. And uh, <laughs> at first she didn't know whether she wanted me or not. She'd heard some bad things about me. And No, I didn't know this. Well, it may, may have been true. So, you know, <laughs> you're a bit of a enough, bad boy. There's enough bad boy if you want to go that way. But anyhow, I didn't think so. But anyhow, um, we met and began dating hmm. and then um, uh, got engaged very quickly. Uh, we'd been dating about seven weeks and we got No kidding. And then it was another nine months before we got married. But wow. um, Lincoln did not have any dormitories. They did a lot in the old Christian church downtown in Lincoln. Okay. And so they had classes there. They had chapel there. And the cafeteria was in the basement. Really? So we'd get up. We were staying. I was staying about a mile from there. And she was about a mile and three quarters from there. And I would pick her up and we would go to breakfast. And then we'd drive another mile out to the campus on the edge of Lincoln and have classes in the morning. 
and then we'd drive down for chapel service, and we'd drive back out to campus for one more class, and then back for lunch, and then I'd take her home. (laughs) And then we had each jobs in the afternoon, and then I'd pick her up to bring her to dinner, and then take her back from dinner, and we'd do study (laughs) and so forth, and then usually pick her up about 9.30 to take a snack, you know? (laughs) Why not? (laughs) So we spent a lot of time together. We really knew each other pretty well. And and And, you have over the decades. I mean, she's she's been your partner in arms for how long? long now? How long have you been married? 67 years. No kidding. She's a very patient woman. She has to be. We've, we've had her ups and downs, but we've had so many blessings, and I, I love her so much. Well, and that, that's always affected me deeply, how honest you both have been about some of the downs of the ups and downs. Yeah, I remember you yeah. saying, I think we were celebrating one of your anniversaries, and you said something like, yeah, the first four years were really hard. Oh, more than that. Was it? Maybe you <laughs> yeah. said seven. I said, well, seven. up and down, you know, sometimes it turned out with the first 18. <laughs> I tell people, you have to stick with it and it gets yeah. better and gets better as time goes on. But that's but, rare, though, nowadays. Yeah, like that, that advice is so evergreen, I think. But I think it's true. You have to recognize it. Too many want everything to happen at once. Right. Because I've never known a couple. They didn't get married and wonder, what on earth have I done after the first year or so? Yep. <laughs> and and uh, it's frightening. I've known, had a couple of cases. I had a couple that had been living together for several years and got married and got a divorce after nine months. No kidding. <laughs> Gosh. I, they were from a distance coming yeah. in. So, but yeah. anyhow, that was so disappointing to right. me. But yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. We're not going to be perfect people. Right. But she is a wonderful partner. And she has been such a good influence on so many people. Yes. And um, so we feel very blessed in that way. Well, and I I feel blessed to know you both because, honestly, some of those conversations have really stood with me. And they were conversations that we were having before I was even engaged or married and that I've carried with me into my own marriage when we hit low seasons. I remember hearing you talk from the perspective of, you know, 60 plus years. Yeah. There's always just been this resolve this calm resolve i think of eugene peterson's the long obedience in the same direction yeah like i think of you and karen when i when i hear that phrase that yeah we hit some bumpy spots but we stuck it out and i think that's that's a true important when we were doing our 50th wedding anniversary our daughter was baking a cake and said, should I put on their 47 years of happy marriage? And I said, that's probably optimistic. <laughs> See, and the fact that you can both laugh about that, because yeah, that's real. True. That's yes, real life. And anyone really listening is. who's married is like, yep. Yeah, yeah it really <laughs> that's is. That's about right. Yeah, that's a blessing on it here. All right, well, coming up next, I want to talk a little bit more about some of your time at Poplar. That's where we kind of left off last segment, and that was in 92. And so some years yeah. have passed since then. Yes. And get into the a little bit about what that's been like, what you've learned. You've also partnered with and helped start and run a whole bunch of other organizations in all the spare time that you have. And uh, so I want to get into that a little bit coming up next with Pastor Daryl Malcolm here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, normally joined by Brian Fromm, but he is... Out of here. He's coming back, though. Don't worry. He'll be back next week. But you can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show. You can also go to 1160hope.com. Uh, plus, we're on Twitter, at Common Good Talk, and we're podcasted. So if you're a podcaster, any amount of interaction on there really does help us out a lot. If you want to hit that share button, that helps us out, too. We're joined all week, though. We're calling it, what should we call it, the week of 
Ian's friends. It's sort of these guest hosts are all just people that I I know and care about a lot. And Pastor Daryl Malcolm is high, high, high on that list. So before we get back into his story, uh, a quick word from our friends at In Touch Ministries. The new year is underway, and our friends at In Touch Ministries want to bless you with a complimentary wall calendar called "Blessed to Be the Church," featuring Charles Stanley's original photography of churches around the world. An inspirational Bible verse from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and a motivational quote from Dr. Stanley accompany each photo. You can get yours today totally free at 1160hope.com slash contest. Plus, everyone who signs up will be entered to win a copy of the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. So sign up today at 1160hope.com slash contest. And Daryl, a couple of segments ago, we were talking about how you've just celebrated 70 years of vocational ministry. In fact, I remember celebrating 60 years with you and that was i think two weeks after i started as lead pastor at poplar creek and i remember that right yeah that being so juxtaposed here i am panicked about like my first lead pastor role and then a couple weeks later we're celebrating like 60 years of faithful ministry and that being such an important perspective shift for me and little did i know like what influence you would have in my life and navigating all of that but i'm curious one what has it been like being a pastor for seven decades? And then I want to talk a little bit more about Poplar Creek, where we met specifically. Well, it's been ups and downs and a lot of things. It yeah. was small churches going along. Um, I would try to build leadership, trying to develop different areas and things. Uh, we had different varieties of experiences on it here. Right. Um, I went into the full-time, this church in Milton I mentioned, and uh, there four years but we had a number of changes that were happening, mm. and basically the congregation was outgrowing the leadership, mm. and I wound up being pressured out of leaving there. Mm. Um, then I went on to different areas. I went to to Washington, which is a, a church that had, had gone through some lot of real struggles, and um, in fact, every church I went to seemed to have <laughs> had struggles right. before I went into it here, mm. and they helped them work through it, and then I stayed there 11 and a half years, built a big new building, and lot of changes and so forth going through on it. And then I uh, went to DeKalb, and DeKalb had, was a seven-year-old church, but the people that had started it had pretty well moved out of town. Okay. And I went because they had a campus ministry, and I was really interested in campus ministry. Hmm. And so I had the church as a basis and then developing the campus ministry with NIU. And it turned out to be a up and down Hmm. For the first three or four years, we wondered if we'd still be meeting in three months, if there'd be enough money to wow. keep surviving on it here. And um, often we did that because it was like a, well, in 1980, we did a real survey of what was happening. Yeah. Discovered 80% of the church was moving out of town every year. No kidding. And then that's in addition to what we had as students' campus ministry. Wow. And um, so it, you, you run like mad just to stand still. Right, right. And um, But it was exciting because we've had ministry all over the world. We got a couple that were from London that we hmm. would stay with them whenever we were going in, in and out in European trips. And yeah. we have a, a lady that uh, played the piano for us when, as a student when we first got started in there. Went ahead to get an architectural degree. She was from Hong Kong. And then she became part of the public works department of Hong Kong and still sends us greetings back and forth no all the time on our email list. And, wow. And, Things like this, you know, yeah. people from a wide variety of areas that right. have been, uh, been blessed in working with. Then I went down to Urbana, which is a larger church, running about 400 uh, when we left, and uh, had had a lot of turnover, a lot of turnover, a lot of two or three ministries, and 
and a lot of people have been heartbreaking what was happening. I didn't want to go mm. and uh, began looking for the problems and couldn't find him and finally felt God was calling us down there. And then after four years, three years, got into a turmoil because of the two different groups within the church. That mm. One group didn't like me because I'd been hired by somebody else and and uh, I was pressured into leaving. Gosh. Then I discovered that I was uh, 55 and nobody wanted to hire a pastor of 55 because he's too old. Wow. And so I wound up coming to start a new church in DeKalb, I mean, in Carroll Stream. And then I was there for five years and it wasn't able to keep going. Yeah. And then I went to Poplar Creek as a part time on staff there. And I've uh, preached off and on and taught classes mm-hmm. and weddings and funerals and hospital calls and so forth. And through a lot of ups and downs in the life of Poplar Creek Church. And yes. So, and what's it like having been there that long now, since you said 92? Yeah. Well, I kept saying it. Uh, I wanted to leave and God wouldn't let me. <laughs> I kept saying, I don't know where earth I'd go. Yeah, right. Because I love the, the loving spirit and the concern from relationships with families that I do have there. Yes, right. Now, there are a lot of left. We had problems arrive. You and I lived through them. We did. Yeah. Uh, many churches do have. Right. Uh, it went through, I think, two or three train wrecks in the course time I've been there. <sighs> yeah. But um, somebody said that, that Karen and I the other day said, if it hadn't been for you two, I don't think the church would have survived. Well, yeah. I don't know whether that's true or not. I think it is. But I know that we were a part of what has kept it going. Absolutely. And so, um, God doesn't always take you where you expect you're going to go. That's right. Everything I've dreamed of is going to be my long-term 10-year goal. It's been sidetracked someplace or other through the years. Right, right. <laughs> so how do you know? Well, and I feel like your model for remaining planted at Poplar is a lot of what you're talking about in your marriage. Like, yeah, yeah. there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be bumps in the road. And you, you have been. And I would affirm whoever said to you that if it wasn't for you, I don't know that Poplar Creek would be there. I think that's absolutely true, actually, knowing a lot of the inner workings and whatnot and the, the care that you have for people and the way that you love and shepherd people, I think is I just think is remarkable. If you're wondering, by the way, what we're talking about is Poplar Creek Community Church in Bartlett. And yes. You go to poplarcreekchurch.com and learn more. Just a wonderful, wonderful church, wonderful group of people. Yeah. And uh, I was there for 10 years and loved loved my 10 years there. I'm curious for anyone. It's, it's poplarcreek.org. Oh, it is? Yeah, poplarcreek.org. That gives you the church. and oh. Got a good website. I got it way so. wrong then. Yeah. <laughs> Did it change? Is that? No. Because <laughs> I've tried to use that same thing. It didn't get me anywhere. My goodness. Shows what I know. Thanks for correcting me. <laughs> All right. I'm curious, like in the minute or two left we have for this segment, what would you say to the person right now who maybe is experiencing some of those bumps at their church and they're wondering if it's time to leave or if it's time for them to hunker down? I think you have to really spend some time in prayer. Asking God if, if he is asking him to be there or if he's asking him to change. Is he opening some doors? The times that I had these ministries, I often had op- options to go someplace else. Mm. But at that time, I didn't feel like I wanted to leave the church. Mm. And periods when I wanted to leave the church, there was no option seemed to be opening up. Mm. I had a pastor friend who said he resigned every Monday. I've never been quite that bad, but Resigned there, there every dis- Monday. Yeah, there's been discouragements in, in church leadership wherever you are. Oh, man. And because we're all we're all weak humans. That's we're, right. We're not angels. We like to be. We want to act like it. Um, but it's it's a fake for everybody if they, mm-hmm. they claim that because yep. we're just sinners 
that are trying to serve the Lord and use our gifts the best we can for him. Yeah, that's so well said. All right, well, coming up next, I want to ask you about all of the other things you do. I'm talking <laughs> Chamber of Commerce, uh, Kids Against Hunger, TCM. Uh, y'all will not believe the list of things that this man has done and is currently doing. So I want to talk about that a little bit coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is... He's never coming back, guys. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He'll be back. He'll be back next week. I shouldn't say that. He's probably listening right now, yelling at his radio. But uh, you can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good, plus wherever it is you get your podcast. And turns out, uh, Pastor Daryl and I both got the website wrong for Poplar <laughs> Creek Church. It's just poplarcreek.com. Yes. Just the easiest, simplest version of the URL. We both got it wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, if you're around the Bartlett area, I can't encourage you enough. It's a really wonderful community with really wonderful people. And uh, some of the best years, I mean, I, I had 10 years there as the youth pastor and then as the lead pastor. And I loved I loved my time there. It was hard, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. you, in a lot of ways, are consistent breakfasts. Yeah. I remember the first time I got, like, an anonymous threat. And I brought it to you. And I was like, can you? I was so rattled and you like read it and then you said yeah welcome to ministry <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> but you're like your patient perspective of having right. been in ministry as long as you had been had been yeah i don't even think i realized at the time how invaluable your influence and presence was for me because i was 26 27 yeah you know first lead pastor job i didn't really know what i was doing and uh so just say publicly i'm so grateful for you i love you very much and i'm i'm i think chicagoland is better because you and karen are here to well be thank you thank you we we love being here in mm-hmm. the area and uh, yeah there's ups and downs there always have been of course the way. right i remember in bible college one of the sessions one of the leaders gave us he said you're going to get in ministry you're going to have a lot of criticisms come mm-hmm. and he said uh, what you're going to do just read him if it's something you need to respond to be ready to respond mm-hmm. But if it doesn't seem to apply, just stack them up. Hmm. And he said, uh, the the few that you can do something about, respond to. And yeah. that much larger stack, learn to laugh about them. Oh, because man. you're not going to be able to do much about them. They're always going to come. There's always going to be people who want to hide in anonymity and, and fire off the guns and... and uh, don't take them seriously. Yeah, that's so good. And I yeah. think that's, again, you know, a lot of young leaders take everything too seriously, right? Yeah, and they well, we tend to do that. We want to die on every hill, and we want to, you know, pick every battle, and that's not good. Yeah, we're wanting to please people. Yes, If we right. aren't pleasers, we probably aren't in this role. Right. And, and <laughs> so... There's some truth to that. So uh, we want to work with it, but it goes through there. All right, you talked about some of the things that I've been involved in. I've uh, yes, I, I've been very involved in missions. I want to say that through right. the years, I had a, a call. I felt to support missions in in a variety of ways, and God has blessed us with mission trips to a lot of different countries, a lot mm-hmm. of places. For thirty eight years, I wound up being on the board of directors of TCM International. Mm-hmm. Now TCM started out as Toronto Christian Mission, and Gene Doolin had gone up to Toronto to start planting churches. I met him at a missionary conference and then became friends with him hmm. and uh, went up to visit in Toronto, preached up there for a few times. Um, and they began working in Eastern Europe, and they had teams and began going in, and they needed a place to meet someplace in Western Europe. Well, Austria was a neutral country, and the um, 
Polish hams came through Austria to get to America, hmm. and Pepsi-Cola went through Austria to get to Eastern Europe, oh, wow, and so wow. was the, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so they needed a house to locate. Well, they wound up finding a big old hunting lodge, had a long history behind it, hmm. but it had been very neglected. It was very bad shape, and they bought it in 1971 at Heiligenkreuz, which is about 20 miles outside of Vienna. Hmm. And then volunteers came in and helped build it up until it's a showcase. It's a beautiful, beautiful place now. As it had a horse barn, cow barn, and so forth. I visited it the first time in 73. There were still stalls in the cow barn and the horse barn at that time. They've become meeting rooms and offices and so forth and been added on to it. And a lot of things going on with it. Um, I, I became a member on the board in 72. Hmm. And then um, they began changing, no longer interested in Toronto, finally moved the headquarters to Indianapolis, and eventually began having classes for people in Eastern Europe. So when the Iron Curtain fell, they went to people in all these different countries where we had contacts now and and asked them, what do you need from us? And they said, what we need is quality education. Well, in God's timing, Gene Doolin, who had been the driving force to get it going, yeah. retired, and Tony Twist came over as president, mm. and he had two earned doctorate degrees. And they began adding seminary classes, seminary quality classes, developed into a seminary, TCM International Institute. Now, make a long story short, they're fully accredited with the North Central Accrediting Association. Wow. The degrees are fully accredited in both Europe and America. Uh, people take about 100 hours of readings and research at home, what you're familiar with, and yeah, right. online learning, yep. and then come to a central area for 40 hours of classwork uh, wow. taught by an, a teacher, usually with an earned doctorate degree. And they now hold those sessions in about 25 to 30 different locations all over Eastern Europe, as well as in House Edelweiss. Nine times a year, they hold them at House Edelweiss, and Karen and I have often gone to be workers there and help and then we go visit someplace else on the way home. <laughs> wow, that sounds amazing. <laughs> so uh, it's that's been a major part of our lives in many places. I still have a wonderful heart for what they're doing. And I love that. Very strong on it here. Well, that's just one of the many things. I mean, I mentioned Chamber of Commerce, Kids Against yeah. Hunger, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't also mention, though, Malcolm the Magician. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Those of you who aren't aware of what I'm talking about, uh, Daryl Malcolm is also a magician. I believe uh, you had money printed with your face on it, right? I do have. It's, it's good bills. I printed myself and put my picture on it. And uh, uh, I started doing this because I was doing things for the Sunday evening services. Right. And they began asking for more than I could find. And hmm. through God's leading, I found a place that led me to Christian connections and the traditional magician uh, seminary or groups and so forth which has opened up all kinds of wide doors. Um, I became a member of the Fellowship of Christian Magicians in May of 1968. Okay. I've now been a member of that organization longer than any other living person. That, no kidding. Uh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, and so it's an interesting thing on it here. I don't do much with it anymore, but uh, Karen and I have done somewhere over 300 <laughs> programs for wow. groups and churches and so forth around uh, mother, daughter, father, son, uh, family groups, uh, as well as who knows, Christmas parties in a lot of different places. Wow. I've been in bars and all kinds of places. And Have yeah. you used it in sermons before? Oh, I, yeah. think oh, I, yeah. I think yeah. I remember you. I've done that frequently. But Have yeah. you? Yeah. I just got back uh, last summer. I went to Europe, to Athens yeah. to work with Helping Hands and Refugees. And uh, I'd taken a few things along with me. And I asked him, Can I, should I use this? And he said, yeah, let's try it. And the refugees 
turned me, turned everybody else off. Maybe they, most of them come from Muslim backgrounds. Hmm. Most of them come from Persian, uh, uh, Iran, and yeah. Af- Afghanistan. But I began doing the magic, and they would pay attention to the gospel presentation. No kidding. And I said to, to the leaders, I said, I'm coming on pretty strong. And they said, look, this is a Christian organization. The people that come here may not be, won't be Christian, most of them, but they know that we're going to talk about Jesus. Right. Lay it on. Don't worry about it. And no so kidding. It became a wonderful teaching method while I was there. and. Uh, be there for two weeks and a lot of memories from that too so that's phenomenal i love i mean again this is just an hour but we could probably fill multiple hours with the journeys that you've been on you're a pastor at heart though in just the last 30 seconds we have left would you just give just a word of hope or encouragement to anyone who's listening wherever they might be today well i want to say if you don't have your trust in jesus christ it's not going to make sense otherwise Mm -hmm. you need to trust in him there's things you won't understand God doesn't expect you to understand it all. I'm not going to have a logical explanation. Right. But there's an emotional experience that I know that I believe Jesus died for me on that cross for my sins. He sets me free. He rose again with the promise that because he lives, I can live also. And my hope is in Jesus. And it needs your hope needs to be in him also. I, I could not think of a better way to end this show. Daryl, thank you so much for your friendship, your influence, your leadership. Thanks for coming on the show today. That means so much. Thank you for inviting me. It's good to be here. My pleasure. I love you and Karen very, very much. You've been listening to Daryl Malcolm here on the week of guest hosts here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.